our medical education and faculties focus more also on primary health care. And that is one we should do it during our education already to take the importance of primary health care and public health functions more seriously. Welcome to Shaping the Future of Healthcare from Siemens Health in Years, the podcast where we talk with renowned experts from around the world about the impact they're making on the future of medical technology. Today, Managing Board Member Christoph Sindel interviews Dr. Pavi Silanauki, Director General at the Finnish Ministry of Social Affairs and Health. Dr. Pavi Silanauki is the thematic ambassador for health and well-being at the Ministry for Foreign Affairs of Finland as part of a pilot program of cross-sectoral cooperation on global issues. She's also representing Finland in the World Health Organization's Executive Board, having served as its first and third vice chair. Silinoki, a wonderful good morning to you and uh, thank you for joining me here for my podcast series. It's a great honor to have you here today. I think you are an internationally experienced and respected expert in public health and diversity. So thank you for your time. And I'm also allowed Dr. Silinoki to call you Pavy. Yeah, please call me Christoph. <laughs> thank you for that. Yeah, with that, I would like to uh, start off talking about Finland, yeah, which is a very interesting country in Europe. Finland is at the forefront of many statistics on the health of its inhabitants and uh, its health system. Yeah, In only a few de decades, I think your country has developed from a somewhat rudimentary healthcare system into one that is really internationally uh, recognized. Despite a low population density, if we compare Finland and Germany, it's, I guess, uh, pretty much about the same size, but I think 5 million Finns against uh, or versus 80 million Germans. Yeah? Your country ensures very good health care for all at a high quality, I have to say. What can we learn from uh, Finland in terms of health care system? Thank you, Christoph, and uh, thank you for inviting me to this discussion. This is, uh, I think, a, a good way of changing ideas and, and learning from each other. And that's why I really respect that, that you have this kind of podcast going on. So about Finland then. Yes, actually, we got our public health law during 1970s. And that was the legislation then on which we have been building our healthcare system. So that then enhanced the primary healthcare sector especially. We had before that legislation for specialized healthcare. We had the same situation than that many countries now have, that they have much, much stronger specialized healthcare sector than primary healthcare sector. And now during the COVID times, we have seen that it is so essential that the public health fun functions and primary health care are strong and we can then build the response on that. But the other uh, reason for our success is that we have in our constitution, actually, the equal right for everyone to get those social and health services they need. And it's 
also a challenge for our government and public sector then uh, try to organize uh, then equal services for everyone because as you said we have 5.5 million living people living here and this is quite a big country so we have rural areas also but i think that that is the same situation also in in germany and quite many countries also that there are rural areas and that is a challenge how we can then organize this so it means that that we have also universal health coverage for everyone we have a, a taxation based welfare society so we pay quite high taxes but we get back then it's very very low cost we have to pay then uh, to get health services and also social security but also education also university education it's free but of course we have to pay our living so we take loans uh, then state guarantees our loans and then we get also student allowances so that it helps us to pay rents and have some living also so there are many reasons but to have this kind of country where you have uh, then possibility to to get those services you need and also education regardless of your um, economical situation or background really gives them a country possibility to get all the potential they have and it has in in its population then into action this is of course very impressive yeah and i can follow you in terms of this makes the quality of the healthcare system in particular primary care as you said and you are right germany is comparable in this regard we have also rural areas where access to healthcare is getting more difficult pavy how do you see this the scalability of your system do you believe other countries can can learn from it and can implement it how do you see this there is and has been for uh, recent years an active discussion on universal health coverage that should be then a human right kind of that that people have access to to health services and now we see that those countries succeed quite well with have then better access for health services i think that that is an important thing but also uh, another thing is important as i mentioned that primary healthcare and public health services and functions they are really important and in i'm also a medical doctor as you are also so so we know that in our education we work a lot in hospitals during our physician education so it's quite normal then to begin to work in in specialized healthcare and of course there is also a lot other motivation aspects also but we have been for some years already now in in our medical education and faculties focus more also on primary healthcare and that is one we should do it during our education already to take the importance of primary healthcare and and, and public health functions more seriously but of course then the working situations they should also be good so that that physicians and then teams can then feel that it's it's good to work there and uh, we are uh, going through um, social and health service reform actually we have been preparing that for 10 years now and of course there are many political politically sensitive issues in that but but one uh, main focus is that we are trying to integrate social and health 
services and then have strong primary health care and uh, try to get in our uh, primary health or, or social and health centers teams, multi-professional teams to work there together. So I think that that is one thing to learn from Finland, that that not only physicians work uh, alone or with a nurse, they should have also broader team of professionals working with them somehow. But but uh, nowadays when we have digital services and possibility to then consult and work with others also virtually. So I think that this is then possible not to have the same kind of uh, of system than Finland, but to learn that there should be more interaction between different um, professionals. Very true, very true. And I, I think also Germany can uh, learn from you in this regard, no doubt. So uh, we talked about rural areas, access to healthcare, which I find very important. Coming to the next question, uh, Pavi, not everywhere in Europe and in the rest of the world, healthcare has the same quality as in Finland. Yeah, Unfortunately, in global terms, we know that one in two people have no or only limited access to healthcare. How can access to care be improved and what is your experience in uh, Finland? I think that that uh, digital solutions give us possibilities a lot lot better possibilities than than before because it makes then the quality care available for broader population so it's not uh, dependent uh, anymore that where you sit where your doctor is is sitting and uh, situated so you can get the consultation from your physician or psychiatric uh, then uh, in northern finland if the doctor is sitting here in helsinki so that has been already the situation in Finland for four years. But now during the COVID time, we have seen that there really is a good possibility also to make the uh, the quality of the care better, but also effectiveness of the services. That is also important because uh, these services cost a lot. And it is very important that, that we have an effective and quality care system. Uh, this makes very much sense. Uh, and we follow actually a similar strategy. Yeah in terms of digitalization. What interests me in particular in comparison to Germany, where I think we are really currently behind in terms of digitization, how could you achieve that uh, Finland is embracing technology? That uh, my understanding is in Finland, the people accept digitization, accept digital technologies and want to use it. Is this true? Yes, this is true, but, but we have a long history behind us and and to be able to have broad uh, digital healthcare you need of course infrastructure you need that you have technical infrastructure and that has been built in Finland because um, already when we we had Nokia here and have Nokia here so the mobile phones <laughs> were they are very very broadly used but but that is uh, the situation also in developing countries i mean africa has done very well with with the, the help of mobile health systems so so infrastructure technical infrastructure is is important but also the knowledge then to use those digital services and uh, the importance then that that you uh, leave no one behind so that uh, 
there is a then a system built in so that that people get those uh, those um, uh, that knowledge they need to use for digital services and we have also ipads in elderly care homes and we have been also focusing in educating our elderly uh, people then to use these of course uh, in our schools they use a lot mobile and digital technology and in our working places then and that was also one reason why it was so easy for Finns and our society then to cope uh, during the lockdown time because uh, everyone worked well so you could work from home and the education then was uh, digitalized and and uh, the, the teachers they really took frog leap in in a very short time so that they could do also that so so the capability to use these services is also important and and then uh, innovation is then important part of of that and we have been uh, since 2014 working together uh, three ministries ministry of social affairs and health Ministry of Economy and Employment and then Ministry of Education and Culture and we have been building a, a legislation and regulation framework we have called that um, a health sector growth strategy where we have been really focusing on that how we can build or facilitate ecosystems around our social and health services so that academia private sector and our public sector could then work together and and we could uh, then facilitate the uh, research and development and innovation for new medicine but also for new new solutions and because we have collected data from uh, our population for decades to be able to offer them good public services so we had before covid already we have had decades uh, digital public services because we have this taxation based uh, society there is a lot of responsibilities the government and and municipalities have uh, then to offer social and health services and education uh, uh, take the main part of the budget but but it means that that also taxation and everything so it has been also more effective to put those into electronical uh, for, uh, form and we have been building uh, our population's trust during uh, that period then when we have had digitalized public services and especially when we are dealing with sensitive data there has been also also two main things to be able to have a digital innovation in in health sector going on when we are living through this uh, this technological reform is that you need data it has to be quality data but that then you have to have trust for your people uh, to use that data and and we have a national archive who, or or data bank we call it kanta it is not electronic patient record that we have only one in our country we have many of them we have kind of modular system but but the interfaces are uh, standardized so they have to be interoperable so all the data that is um, then stored into your electronic patient record should be interoperable with that data bank we have that national data bank and then it goes to there and and from that kanta then 
wherever the patient goes, the data follows him. So that's why it's 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 very easy then to handle. And we have uh, had also for years 100% uh, electronized patient records. So so we have the data and we have also legislation then how to handle that data so that uh, that who can then see the data uh, and, and that then we are um, talking about primary use of the data. And that happens then inside the health sector and also more and more in also social sector. Now we have had uh, a year in act, secondary use of the um, social and health data legislation and we built so-called fin data an, an organization which is a permit organization which gives then a permit to a research group but also the private sector but also for public sector organizations to get access to our uh, data registers and if uh, that research group or organization or private sector company then needs uh, data from more than one register, uh, that FIN data then uh, collects the data and combines it and anonymizes it or pseudonymizes it and, and then offers you the possibility to get those answers you are asking, but also a secure environment to handle that data. So there are many things that makes it possible for our country to be in front line developing new kind of services. This is really very exciting. And obviously, uh, Germany is a little bit behind here. What I find impressive is uh, that you talk about trust. And if I recall it rightly, when we talk about the COVID-19 uh, warning, the, the warning app, yeah, I think in Germany we have a rate of installed apps, probably 20% or even a little bit less in Germany. And I think you brought it up to 40% or even beyond, which is an indicator in my point of view that, you know, Finns are trusting their technology and as I said at the beginning, embracing this technology. So trust is, I guess, very important, by the way, also for us as an industry partner, when it's about digitalization and uh, artificial intelligence, when we collaborate with uh, healthcare providers, it's uh, equally important that we build up trust yeah, because um, yeah, we, are, we are sharing data on the grounds of uh, the, the, the data protection rules and so on. But it is at the end trust which matters very much and I can, I can follow you. Yeah? This is the right strategy and obviously trust together with collaboration, as you explained to us now, yeah, working closely with the different instances. Uh, it's impressive. I think when you one is born in Finland, my understanding is he, she gets a social security number. And from then on, all other data are linked to this social security number, if I'm correct. Yeah, you are, you are, you are correct. We have this identification number. We, we have had that from 1960s and every, every data is then related to that. And, and that's why we have been uh, then focusing very much on the security of the data. Which is another topic uh, in itself. I, I come to this in a in a second. Yeah, but uh, this is really exciting to me. Yeah, because I think in Germany we 
legislation is coming now and is kicking in but uh, and we have also you know some legislation now connected also to financing support so it's gonna come but uh, it's obviously slower than uh, in finland yeah and uh, the, the other part i uh, could hear out from you is innovation and here i can only agree when it's about access to to medical care we you know have driven now also on the grounds of the pandemic uh, telehealth modules which are helping our customers uh, to really do this uh, televisits, we have seen in the US, by the way, a steep increase, incredible increase of telehealth visits. So it has changed significantly in terms of numbers and utilization of these remote tools, by the way, also for the better of the patients, because they they don't need to leave their homes. Yeah, They can really do it at their homes. So for us, it means we are very much in remote control of, you know, imaging modalities and, and other technologies. We are very much in robotics, which is also helping in particular in the pandemic, but you can also control robotics via remote. This all together, in my point of view, and here I can only agree to you, is uh, helping to broaden the access to care, uh, not only in Finland or in Germany, but, but uh, worldwide, uh, hopefully. Yeah. Talking digitalization, uh, Pavi brings me uh, to the next question. I find this equally important. Digitization can contribute to better access to healthcare. But what do you think? What conditions need policymakers to create for digitization? You mentioned also cybersecurity, uh, which uh, is equally important, yeah, and comes with the trust. It's connected to each other. W what would you expect from policymakers uh, what they have to do in order to uh, ensure proper digitization of the healthcare systems. As uh, COVID-19 has showed us, we are and can't only concentrate on our own countries. Of course, Finland makes a country and, and at the country level, you need a legislation that suits to your country. But really to get uh, all the potential we have now uh, with the new technology, we have to think more about data uh, crossing the borders, how we can collaborate uh, and, and combine data from different countries and different registers regionally, but also globally, because COVID-19 has showed that that data, if we have the data, real-time data, it helps us also to, to be better prepared, but also to have more effective response and give, give uh, uh, then real-time information for people, for them to keep themselves safe. And that's why I think that that we have to think then uh, both uh, uh, legislation and policy making at the country level, regional level, but also at the global level. And in WHO, but also in United Nations, the Secretary General has taken this very seriously. And uh, Secretary General in United Nations has uh, a process for digitization and AI and uh, robotics going on. And it is called about uh, Secretary General's high-level panel, uh, which has then prepared its report. And now there is an implementation phase and, and health 
theme is one there and there are organizations and countries which are then named um, as champions which then take care of the, of the leading of of all those different themes that are under that uh, that report so i think that it's very important that united nations are an um, and is an active player here it's really a good um, platform to to have a dialogue uh, different countries to have a dialogue on how we can uh, safely use ai data robotics and develop them and of course who is then one important organization because especially health information is so so sensitive and and we have to be very careful with handing uh, that data but it also i have to remind that it also gives us a lot of possibilities and potential for better healthcare for much better access to health services so therefore it i think that pays back to to concentrate and to uh, to try to get solutions for how to use this data and who uh, is um, in in november 2020 having its assembly meeting at uh, and it will be hybrid so we will and we will be discussing there the who's uh, digital strategy discussions i'm very pleased about that that strategy but of course there will be then comments from from countries but also from eu and now i come to the uh, eu level and we heard from um, from president von der leyen already when she gave us the uh, state of union speak and she mentioned that then digitization is uh, ha- will play a very important role during next years in EU's strategy and that is so important we uh, we have to get also legislation at the EU level on this issue and Finland is playing there an active role because we have also already experience doing legislation uh which is harmonized with GDPR so so therefore we are also active partners there if i think about um, companies i work with them also here in in finland because i try to help them work in in these ecosystems and try also to find out challenges they have to do the innovation because we really will them to be active players in innovation and then be able to offer solutions also for our other countries and the implementation is uh, of, of if one gets an innovation develops an innovation so how to implement that and test that in the health system our health system there are some challenges and one reason is that you have to change then the ways you work so it's not only that you take a machine or digital solution you have to think how then to change your working processes and i think that you are familiar with that because uh, all the solutions that seems are offering also it means that you have to change also the ways you work there and and uh, we should then now focus also more on that that how we get then the all the uh, solutions we already have a lot of them but they are not in use in germany and in in, in finland and in many, many countries also how then to help then uh, organizations to change to have their uh, right incentives there that they change and especially when we are talking about public sector organizations there uh, is not as 
big incentives and as it is in private sector companies then to take the the new solutions into into use so this is one uh, in in policy making so you have to also think the the incentives there but at the uh, global and regional level then to think the ways that how then to have more uh, common regulation for companies if then the regulation and legislation differs a lot from country to country i think that that uh, we lose a lot of potential then here i really appreciate your uh, spirit in terms of collaboration also with the industry right that we help each other and i couldn't agree more taking an existing process and putting some digitalization into it is not the trick yeah i think you need to think completely differently yeah uh, designing digital processes what i can also only agree to is you are actually you have spoken about globalization of data yeah or data globalization ideally in real time even yeah i mean this is of course uh, in the current times with the pandemic uh, super important but i think it's a general comment which i can only uh, underline it speaks for globalization maybe not only data but also human beings so i couldn't more here despite you know the current political systems where we see more and more localization and verticalization and uh, let's say uh, a building back of globalization i think uh, who and united nations are very important instances uh, which we need to maintain and need to build out in order to uh, ensure what you have explained to us yeah so pavy uh, it resonates very well with me and i find it uh, very interesting what you have explained uh, to us here yeah Let me switch gears quickly. We talked a lot about digitization and technology, yeah? but patients at the end are really people and they are treated by people, human beings. What advantages come from diversity in healthcare? I'm talking ethnicity, you know, gender, language, religion, I don't know, sexual orientation, professional and personal background. And and what advantages come not only from diversity in healthcare, but in general? How do you see this? I see that that uh, it's so exciting and uh, very richness that that there are so variety, so a large variety of of uh, different kind of cultures and people and. I'm a person who is uh, enthusiastic to learn uh, new things. So I think that to have that kind of attitude that you, uh, you're not shutting yourself, but you are kind of uh, curious on, oh, how do you think of, of this and why? And so that, that we, we should have this dialogue going on with different cultures. And of course, when we talk uh, just talked about uh, uh, data crossing borders and and then having different countries uh, policy makers discussing with it, each other regionally but also globally but but it's so important now when we see that that there is not so much travel anymore during this uh, this covid situation that of course there are positive things also to the climate change for example but virtually it has been very good thing that we have had this technology that we have had the possibility to see and have a dialogue also virtually but um, it is very important also to have a face-to-face contact with people so we we i think that 
this is the situation we have different kind of cultures, different kind of people, thinking, background. So, and we have to take this into uh, account and and then try to build societies where you are uh, sure that all the needs of uh, all the people are taken into account. And this is then how Finland and Scandinavia and I think European countries, we it's, it's very basic value we, we have and we have been building on our uh, societies so that, that uh, we could be sure that we leave no one behind and, and we could get everyone's uh, need then uh, on table when the politics uh, and policy makers make uh, their decisions. And it is not yet so. And uh, gender, you took a gender um, aspect here. Uh, during the COVID crisis, we have seen now that that women are suffering a, a lot. So they they make up the most of the healthcare workers, also the unpaid work that uh, that happens in communities, then uh, the, the domestic violence against girls and, and uh, women are higher than uh, against men. And during the crisis, there is more violence and, and uh, the women and girls are more vulnerable. So that is why it is so important that we then... Um, try to ensure that uh, women ha- women has part and um, play uh, also part in decision making at all levels uh, we even have legislation gender act in finland to be sure that that in state committees and advisor groups and municipality in public sector altogether uh, that there should be 40% of uh, of uh, of the minus uh, gender, so uh, either w- uh, women or men, that there is a, a gender balance in in those committees. And uh, I just got uh, very positive um, uh, news last week that that in our big companies, the amount of women in board of directors is thirty percent. So it tells, of course, that that there are educated women which are in managerial and leading positions because otherwise you are not able to get the executive board position. So it has to be also a long history to that. But I mean that it's, it's important that also in crises and when, when we are trying to then find out solutions in, in countries where there are big crises going on, we should more try to help also from EU level those countries to get also women on board more stronger. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, and I mean, uh, your government, yeah, I mean, is is a great example. Yeah, in in terms of composition. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's also leading probably in Europe, in my point of view. Yeah, when it's about diversity and inclusion, my personal opinion is diversity is, let's say, a topic which I can steer better. Yeah, I can decide, as you said, forty percent women, right, uh, in political instances or or groups and 30% in the boards. But the topic, which is really a challenge in my point of view, is the inclusion part, because this is very often not visible. You know, how good 
are different cultures, different genders? How good is it accepted in the societies and, you know, literally in the teams when they work together and so on? So that's the challenge we need to tackle in particular, in my point of view. You made great points in terms of even yeah, face-to-face meetings, which is also important. I couldn't agree more that we do, should not leave people behind. We face currently, by the way, the same challenge because we comprise of 53,000 Siemens Helsiniers and yeah, many of them are at home. They are sitting in front of the monitor. This is not the same interaction compared to when human beings are meeting, right? This is completely different when you meet in, I used to say, three dimensions versus two two dimensions, yeah? So I think these are all uh, very important aspects. And uh, also in terms of board composition, I think we have to uh, still catch up in uh, Germany. But you might know there is also legislation going on uh, where we see improvements and where we uh, can also expect further quota in order to improve the situation. I personally believe key of our success in Helsinius yeah, as an innovation leader is also that we work with different cultures, different people. I personally enjoyed it over the last uh, decades very much that I could work you know, with so many different cultures, people uh, together, uh, and it was always an enrichment because they bring in complete different angles, different views, which I like very much. And I'm sure you are benefiting also from it because of your, uh, let's say, high level of diversity and inclusion. I learned also that uh, I think you started very early uh, also with active and passive voting rights, right? Uh, Beginning of the 1900 or so, where you started already giving women the right to elect or to, 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 uh, to vote and to be elected. 1906. 1906. Okay. That's very impressive. Yeah. And I think this shows uh, where you are nowadays. And uh, I can only congratulate uh, you to this, uh, in my point of view, uh, global light tower. Yeah. And again, your government is emphasizing this. Pavi, I'm afraid we need to come to an end here. I have to say it was a very inspiring and a very educational dialogue with you. I enjoyed it very much because I, I'm also, I like learning and I have learned a lot throughout the last minutes. Um, allow me a final uh, short question, more from a, a more private angle. Yeah, Since Finland is now getting also dark, right, uh, in the winter times, uh, what do you do for your personal health? Um, how do you keep your shape up and so on? Yeah, yeah, you mentioned uh, the dark time. Some somebody say, has said that we have three months lasting night here in Finland. So November, December, and January. So this is hot time. And uh, now when the climate is milder, we don't even get snow uh, so much than we u- used to get here in southern Finland. And uh, snow really gives light. So that's why we. We have to concentrate on trying to keep us uh, in in good mood, but also in good condition. And and one uh, challenging thing is that how to get people to exercise, to go out and have a walk there, uh, especially elderly people. We saw in, in during the springtime that that is a challenge, and that uh, that things it it gives you a better mood if you you um, then uh, exercise a little and then give uh, time to meet your friends that is also a very important thing that that you meet friends smaller groups 
but but uh, during the COVID time, but but that is important. And then culture, music, theater, and uh, then books to read or listen. So uh, so culture is is a very important part of of our human beings. And I think that uh, you agree with me that Finns and and. Germans that that we should keep in our mind that people are also much more than cognitive part of our brain. We have to have that that part where the culture plays also a strong role. So that uh, combining those two right and and uh, left hemisphere is is very important to be a whole human being. Very true. It's great that you have not spoken only about physical health, but also mental health. And I'm sure the culture community, so musicians and, and authors and so on, they uh, they will be very happy to hear this from you, Yeah, uh, how important culture is. I mean, we have this discussion currently in Germany, yeah, uh, how can culture survive in, in times of the pandemic? So I think you made a great point here. Pavi, I really appreciate your time and all your input. Um, as I said, I've learned a lot. I would like to sincerely thank you uh, for your contribution here and uh, yeah, hope to be able to meet you soon in person. This would be great. Thank you so much. Great. And thank you. I really enjoyed this discussion. Thank you. Thank you. Stay healthy. You too. Bye-bye. Wrapping up today's episode, we've heard about the ways in which Finland has become a leader in the digitization of healthcare. One of the success factors was to involve the general public in the discussion. Finland's early investments in this infrastructure have proven helpful as they've navigated through the SARS-CoV-2 outbreak. We've also outlined further how diversity continues to be an advantage in the healthcare industry and how we can continue to make inclusivity a priority. A big thank you to Dr. Pavi Silanauki and to all of our listeners. This has been another episode of Shaping the Future of Healthcare from Siemens Health and Years. Subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts, rate us, and review us on Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time.